I'm Michael Whitehouse, and this is the Writer's Republic podcast. Writer's Republic helps authors get their stories to the world by supporting them and publishing their own book their own way. On this show, we interview authors to share the story behind the story. Stick around after to learn how you can get their book and for information on how Writer's Republic can help you publish your own book. And now, let's learn the story. Welcome once again to an interview with another fantastic author. Today, it's Amy Mongera, the author of The Path to Break Free from Burnout. So Amy was recently recognized by the New York, the NYC Journal as a top life coach to watch out for in 2022. Amy helps people all over the world live burnout free by bringing clarity, direction, and positive habits into their lives by filling the gap between where they are now and where they want to be. A four-times entrepreneur with successful acquisitions under her belt, Amy has turned her focus to Humans First Coaching, a coaching network dedicated to guiding over 300 leaders in organizations on how to build healthy cultures, reduce burnout, take care of themselves, and put their employees first. She also has a custom jewelry company that creates fine jewelry for runners, Victory Company. Amy is also an author. Her book, The Path to Break Free from Burnout, is set to release early in 2023. As the host of the self-care podcast, Life on My Terms, bringing in thousands of listeners from across the world, Amy chats with experts to help listeners become 1% better and take charge of their lives. An avid runner, Amy is, Amy is soon to be one of the first thousand women to complete the Abbott Six World Major Marathon Series. When she isn't running, Amy volunteers as a coach and program sponsor for Girls on the Run, which I was excited to read because my daughter's in Girls <laughs> on the Run, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to strengthening girls' social, emotional, physical, behavioral skills to, to successfully navigate life experiences through running. She lives in St. Petersburg, Florida with her husband, son, and a French bulldog. So welcome, Amy, to the show. Ah, thanks, Michael. I'm glad to be here. All right. So you wrote a book about burnout. So I imagine that's a, a key part of your story. Tell me a bit about your, your path through burnout. Yeah, I think we like write books to seek out help for ourselves, you know? So that's yep. sort of how this began. But yeah, let's let's chat about my path through burnout. It was um it was an interesting an interesting experience. So, um I think it stems from this like hustle mentality. I know that like society's just beaten into us. I think I read the other day that the average Gen Z um like 70% of Gen Z have two full-time jobs right now. Wow. I mean, it's just this, this quest to like make money and achieve success, you know, is just something that I think everyone's kind of curious about and, and chasing. And so I was like that too. Um, I was an, I had my son at 21. I opened my first business when I was 22. I slowly, you know, got that feeling of like, oh, if you keep pushing, if you keep hustling, you know, you can make all the money in the world. And it slowly escalated in or quickly escalated, I should say, into a an email marketing agency that was incredibly successful from the outside. Um, I was like reaching all these milestones and people were like, wow, she's superhuman. She's working all these hours and being a mom and being a wife and running marathons and all of this stuff. But behind the scenes, I was working 85 hour weeks I was always on, which meant that I was literally in my mind answering emails, answering text messages, answering Slack messages all the time. I had started to move away from who I was at my core and I started to sort of put everybody ahead of me. 
So whatever the client needed, that's what happened. Whether I agreed or whether my expertise was uh, supportive of this idea, it was just like serve the client. Um, I was doing everything I could for my family. I was just taking on so much. And so what I started to notice quickly was just the physical um, components that started to hit me, right? I was fatigued, obviously, getting headaches all the time. I started to get these weird autoimmune type flare ups and whatnot. Um, And then I started to move into depression and cynicism and like this feeling of like, well, I built this empire. I can never get out. I'm drowning, but there's, you know, I've got to keep making this money. I've got to keep hustling. And so my path to burnout sort of hit rock bottom last July when I had sudden hearing loss in my left ear. Mm-hmm. And that was actually my body's way of attacking itself. And it was really like going to the doctor, seeing my inflammation uh, levels and getting a therapy session to have somebody say, what are you doing? <laughs> and so my path to burnout is is a little bit more, um, I would say, dramatic but I don't think it's unlike a lot of people out there that are constantly filling the calendars up with things. They're working. They've got a side hustle, a full-time job. They're, they're chasing the wrong metrics in their life and they're forgetting the fulfillment and the things that make us tick as humans. And so, I mean, that's my uh, path to burnout. Obviously it wasn't overnight. It was a culmination of, uh, 10 plus years, but mostly five in that thick of the agency. Um, and then I just kind of went on a quest to like, okay, you got to help others with this information now. Yeah, no, that, that, that's powerful. I, I'm, I reminded the phrase I heard once, which is so, so many, so many people focus so much on climbing the ladder. They don't notice it's leaning against the wrong wall. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and the image that always comes to my, to my mind with this, the, you know, burnout is, is it's like there's this this little guy in your head who's like, we got to stop. And the captain's like, nope, got to keep going. And so the, the little guy goes down to engineering and starts pulling cables. And like, oh, you unplug this. I'm plugging up these. We got to stop. So Yes, you know, yes. And I always like to refer to it as like, you're literally driving passenger in your, in you're in the passenger seat of your life car. Yeah. Somebody else is a uh, behind the wheel. They are going in the fast lane and you are not slowing down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then everything yep. starts blowing up in the car. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It's like, that's the only, only way to stop you is, yeah. is your, your body's like, all right, well, what if you can't hear? How about, will yes. that stop you? What if you can't get out of bed? Will that stop you? What yes. if, you know, crippling migraines, will that depression, will that stop you? Yeah. So that could be, it can be a powerful signal. Um, so we, we talked a little about the, the, the health route. So, so what were some of the, you know, the health effects of this? And then how did you turn that around? Yeah. So I think it's really important. What I've, what I always tell people is like, um, tension is the body crying for attention. And Mm. so it usually starts with like little bits of tension, right? Like you're starting, you get those like rushes of fight or flight, and then you get that tension headache or that, that stress in your neck. And you start to notice this happening more often, more often. That's like an early sign Mm -hmm. that like you got to kind of pay attention. But I think what I started to really, now that I've done some, done the research and I'm coaching a lot of clients and I'm in a lot of corporate workshops, it's amazing the connection to inflammation that's Mm -hmm. being, that we're starting to see in our blood work from 
these like that you don't have leukemia. So why are your white blood cells in the blood work three, four times the amount? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can track this back to those like it, those unmanaged bouts of stress that we're starting to see happening more and more and more where we haven't really evolved as human beings to handle this fight or flight response all the time. Yeah. So it's this long-term stress. And so it's really interesting. I get clients sometimes they'll be like, um, I suddenly can't digest food. And they go to the doctor and the doctor's like, the test results are fine. I don't know what's wrong with you. But it's like they, their body is like not processing food the same way. A lot of people tell me like, I suddenly have this like stubborn area of fat around my stomach that will not go away. And I haven't changed any of my habits. Mm-hmm. Um, I also hear a lot of the really awful, awful stuff is where I had a, I had a, um, coaching client the other day that literally was in the hospital. Suddenly his body felt like it had, like he had had a ton of bricks just laid on his body and he started to have, you know, his heart like escalated heart rate goes Mm -hmm. to the hospital. And the doctor is like, you have inflammation spiking in your body. It's even gone to your heart and we have to keep you here a few days, but also the, the real remedy here is managing your stress. Mm-hmm. So I think what we have to remember is there's a lot of physical, like long-term issues we can have, um, especially autoimmune. Mm. There are autoimmune for me in particular, I got a really interesting autoimmune rash that came out about two years into like the real grind of building my um, email agency. And uh, I went through eight months with doctors and they just could not figure it out. Yeah, the blood cells were through the roof, but nobody could figure it out. And finally, they're like, your body is just attacking itself for like no reason at all. We're going to give you this shot to put in your arm twice a a, a month. And that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life because you now have an autoimmune disease. So I think we really have to start to connect some of these like random health things that are popping up that are not really in our typical like flow. And we've never seen anything like this. We got to start to say to ourselves, like, "Mm, can I really maybe track this back to stress? And then there's the emotional side, right? And the spiritual side. I'll never forget when I was running the new, um, the London marathon in 2021, I had been suppressing every single feeling I had because how did I even have time to process the feelings? And everybody around me was telling me how I was a hero and how I was this strong person because I could do all these hours and do all the things. And so I was like suppressing all these feelings. Well, don't you know, a marathon will bring them out. And I cried the entire time running the the London marathon. Mm -hmm. It was my body's visceral reaction of being like, something isn't right. Pay attention. And I did pay attention for a couple of weeks, but I cycled back into the old habits. So you can just see just through these examples. Yeah. I mean, there's real long-term health realities and I think beginning to heal I wrote this book because I don't want everybody to have to hit a rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I don't want folks to have a sudden hearing loss where they're never going to hear in their left ear again. You know, I want to prevent that. So for me, healing really became from the rock bottom. It was the necessity to change. It was the doctor saying like, hey, not only do you have to go on an anti-inflammatory diet now, but you need to change your lifestyle. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge eye opener for me. And it, it came with, you know, some reinventing and really learning about myself again to understand, like, what did my future look like? Yeah. Yeah. This sounds this is powerful. I'm sure a lot of people need to hear this. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the analogy that comes to mind, you think about like, you know, Navy ships, they, they go to general quarters when there's danger. Um, and during general quarters, you don't maintain anything. You don't clean anything because, you know, everyone's at their station. They're manning their guns. <laughs> The crew doesn't sleep. Everyone's awake. Well, if you stay at general quarters for 48 straight hours, ship's going to start falling apart. The crew's going to start falling apart. And I I think a lot of people in their lives, it sounds like you were, you know, you're at general quarters for 10 years. So, so, you know, your body can't do the rest and the, like all the stuff it's supposed to do in the normal, you know, repainting and cleaning and fixing out that machine and replacing that motor. Can't do it. General quarters, emergency. And which makes sense. Well, you know, why the, why the fat would stick around your body is like, oh, we're in great danger all the time. We need all the fat we can get. We might never yep. eat again. You know, we've got to got to pack away reserves. We've got to bring those white blood cells. There could be infections if we get injured. We're in danger, yep. which is not a state you can long sustain. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so 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 you're talking about, you know, burnout. I'm talking about burnout as as this larger thing. Now, how is that different from just occasionally, you know, you have a lot of stress at once or a stressful event where we're not talking about, you know, a couple things happen at once and it's stressful. This is a, a more systemic thing, right? Yeah, I, I love this question because I think right now um, all you hear is the word burnout. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to. My, my eight year old says it. She's like, yeah. I'm burned you're out. Like, I I need time. I'm like, no, you're eight. You you don't. You're not burned out. <laughs> yeah, we gotta like, we do have to find a separation. So I like to say there's there's two phases, right? There's I'm feeling burned out. That's like to me a very normal thing that humans should go through multiple times in their lives. Mm-hmm. It's simply a moment where you need to just recognize that a change might be necessary. Maybe you're working at this company you've worked for, love your job, but they had to do layoffs. And now you're one person on a team and you've got a lot of extra stress on your plate. And that stress is it's temporary, but you're feeling just burned out. You're just tired. And you probably need to take some PTO or work with your boss to figure out how can we build this team back up or how can I give you some responsibilities to take some off my plate? You know, mm-hmm. that is a normal thing we go through. And I, I want to make sure folks do know that that's a normal feeling, feeling burned out. Um, I think I've been through it, you know, five, six times in my life. And it's okay in that period where if you're like, eh, I don't really know if I like what I'm doing. Okay, you can change. So burned out typically is is something we all go through, and it doesn't necessarily it's not going to affect your health or anything. Mm-hmm. It's, this is just something we go through. Now, when we move into burnout syndrome, this is where we start to have those those real deep phases. And I think we start where I like to say is burnout syndrome starts at like stage two, where you're feeling burned out but that is not going away. You are not dealing with the stress. You're not making the changes and you're compiling more on. And so you move into the stage two of burnout syndrome and you start heading down. This Mm -hmm. burnout syndrome is where you are now depleting the body battery, right? Like you're not recharging. There's a struggle in resources, right? It's time versus energy. You're not replenishing the energy. And when that starts to happen, we cascade through multiple stages. It starts out at the honeymoon phase where you're like open and willing to throw yourself out there to prove your worth at your job, right? 
But then as we cascade through these stages, that body battery is becoming depleted, depleted, depleted down to zero. And you are still layering more on. It's the burnout syndrome where we start to see the physical, emotional, um, mental, real changes and that depression and cynicism. It's the withdrawal mm -hmm. where, where I think when we're feeling burned out, we almost have a little bit of like gumption and like energy behind it. Cause we're like, we want to make a change. I got to take a vacation. I've got to take action. When you're in burnout syndrome, you are the opposite. You're like, I'm stuck here forever. I can't even make simple decisions. Like if my husband asks me what's for dinner one more time, I'm going to freak out. Cause I can't think you're just, mm -hmm. you've lost yourself. And that's the real difference. And you've got to know how to see where you're headed deeper down that burnout syndrome right? Like, where do you start to be self-aware? Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, now, so is some of this about, about not chasing busy, about not just trying to always be doing something? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think especially with women, we are always looking to fill up the white space, you know, like, um, naturally we're nurturers. And so if we have children, we've got to like, you know, get the kids to school. We've got to sign up for the school events. We've got to make sure the dinner's done and do the laundry. And then we've got all these other commitments and we might have family members to take care of. And, but the thing that I start to see a lot when I start to look at people that are sensitive to burnout syndrome, like there's, they're susceptible to falling there they have a general trend of literally chasing busy to the point where when they do solve something, they fill it with something else. And so this recently just happened with one of my clients where we were able to get her the help she needed in her job. And she literally filled that white space by taking on an expansion project. <laughs> She's never going to come up for air. So a lot of us, what I found is a lot of us do thrive in that chaos or that feeling of like checking the boxes. But if we really sat down to think about it, all the things we checked off each day, they, they still aren't making us fulfilled. Like we're mm -hmm. still left going, I don't really know if I had a good day or I don't feel fulfilled is because we're chasing the wrong things. We're like mm -hmm. filling our plates with things that are not doing it, but we're not putting our, putting it back in our cup, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Climbing the ladder on the wrong wall. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, how can putting yourself first help with avoiding this climbing the wrong ladder? Yeah. So in my book, I like to take folks through kind of a journey um, I think one of the other issues I see in society is that we are always looking for the quickest answer, right? And so I think that this aids in chasing busy because we're looking for the quickest answer. So we like go all in. I think this is why New Year's resolutions never work out because mm -hmm. we like we say we're going to lose like all this weight, but we have no plan to get there ever, right? So when I created this book, I was like, I need to give people like a practical path to get there. And the first step is we have to understand we are first. Mm -hmm. And I basically say in the book, don't go past this chapter until you do this work. 
You cannot move forward until you understand that you have to come first. It is time to fill your cup because the bottom line is, is how can you ever restore your energy levels? How can you ever get fulfillment in your life? How can you ever be the best mom or dad you can be if you are not putting yourself first, right? Like the oxygen in the airplane, you've Mm -hmm. got to put your mask on first or you're useless to the folks around you. Yeah. You you can't pour out of an empty pitcher. Never. And it's so difficult. I can't tell you in a 10 week coaching session, how we spend five weeks trying to change the mindset that you're not selfish. You're not a bad mom. If you still are focused on how can I be the best me today? What growth goals do I have? What do I need to do to show up for myself? Yeah, no, that, that's very powerful. Um, so how can self-care help with burnout? Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things. So I believe that there are several self-care pillars that are critical for us and for us as humans. And I think that like, I call it the wheel of life. It's kind of like if, if one of the self-care pillars is starting to dwindle, then we're going to start to like feel imbalanced and, and that's the truth. And so I think one of the ones I'll mention is sleep. A lot of times when you're in burnout syndrome, you might be, um, per, you know, purposefully not sleeping because you're working longer hours because you're trying to shove a million things or deadlines or, or whatnot into your day. But burnout syndrome affects sleep. We can't expect to have all of this unmanaged stress that's sitting there all the time and then sleep perfectly. No, we're usually in burnout syndrome. We're insomniacs. We are having nightmares and broken sleep. We wake up at 1 a.m. to use the restroom and the brain starts activating again. And the next Mm -hmm. thing you know, you've laid awake till 3 a.m., thinking about all the things you have to do tomorrow. So one of the self-care pillars, for instance, that can aid in burnout is how do you regulate, how do you start to focus on your sleep? There's little things, right? You can implement a nighttime routine. You can shut your phone, have the app shut down at 8 p.m. You can put a post-it note set right by your bed. That way, if you do wake up and you have an idea, quickly write it down. You might need to go on a natural sleep aid, but that is like an example of how self-care. So the more you start to sleep, you suddenly have clarity. Mm -hmm. You might be able to come up for air and make clear decisions on what the path forward to get out of burnout would be. I'd say the other thing, for instance, is nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that if we take gaps of like if I remember going from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. with no food. So we know that our blood sugar is plummeting. We know that our emotional state is not right. How can I make decisions with absolutely no fuel in my body? And so even just regulating our diet or putting some anti-inflammatory foods in our diet, the amount of like energy that gives us, it's like putting the gas in your car. How do you Mm -hmm. expect it to drive with no gas? So it's like taking the approach of self-care and these pillars. This is not just going and like sitting in a bubble bath, right? This is like pillars of Mm self-care. And so I try to guide people in the book and I encourage people to pick the pillar that they're suffering with the most. For me, it was the nutrition. 
Mm-hmm. I had to eat regularly again. So I started there in my healing journey. And then I worked my way through the other pillars. And I think folks in the book, they can figure out where they need the most help. But this is how we build. This is how we build the resilience to bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's hugely one of the, the concepts of hers that you think of yourself as an athlete, you know, the professional athletes, they, they make sure they eat well and that they exercise and they do all the right things. Um, but none of that's selfish. It's not, it's not for them. It's because they can't perform and they're only doing one thing. They're just playing football or throwing a ball or whatever. Whereas you're running a business and taking care of kids and taking care of a spouse and taking care of the the volunteer work and the nonprofits and all that. Well, if they need that much, (laughs) how are you supposed to be doing it without eating or exercising or sleeping or anything else? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, so, so, you know, you start doing all the stuff, you start getting things under control, you're feeling better, you're sleeping better, you're eating better. How do you make sure the burnout doesn't sneak back in? Yeah. Well, I offer a really good checklist in my book, but this is ongoing work. I just want people to know this is ongoing work. I have labeled myself a recovering chaser of busy and I treat it like anybody that's going through recovery. Um, which means I check in with myself. So mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the big, big eye openers to keep, you know, just really keep an eye on if you feel like burnout's creeping back in is like complaining. Do you find yourself going, coming home from work or leaving your desk? And the minute you get to your husband or your partner, you simply start to say at work, blah, blah, blah happened. You start complaining. Those are moments where we should write those down because that could be a stress trigger that we can solve that could have you headed back into that burnout cycle. Um, The other things are is looking for repeated patterns. So for me, I knew in my healing journey after I did my self-discovery work and stuff like that, that there were certain things I really should not be committing to. And I put boundaries into place. When I started to see or when I started to notice that I had broken a boundary a few times in a row, that was a big eye-opener that burnout could creep back in if I allowed this gate to be plummeted Mm -hmm. down. So it's more or less just like acting like, you are in recovery and recovery is checking in and being aware. Um, I also have in my book about energy vampires and Mm -hmm. that's a funny word and everybody loves that and giggles, but the truth of the matter is they're everywhere. And these are folks that suck energy out of you, but they do not return it. So if you can be really aware of the, the content you're listening to, the movies you're watching, the books you're reading, the people you have around you, when you start to feel those little signs again, I'm drained, I, le- I left my mom's house and I'm exhausted. Well, sadly, your mom could be an energy vampire. So you might need to put a couple of boundaries in place to protect yourself. And so we just have to be more aware. And I think that when you do the work and you're really invested you naturally become more aware, but I do have a great checklist in my book. So fantastic. Um, yeah. As you talk about the recovery, I, I love that as a, as a way of thinking of it, but I think the other challenge with recovering from burnout is, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you stay away from bars, you stay away from liquor mm-hmm. stores. If you're a, uh, you know, if you're a recovering drug addict, you stay away from your old drug using friends. If you're recovering from burnout, you still work. You still, you, you yeah. can't, you can't be like, sorry, kids, 
back off. I'm recovering from burnout. So you're, you're a trigger. Um, you know, you know, you're an environmental factor, so mm-hmm. I can't. So it, it, it would almost be like if your job is you're a whiskey taster, but you're in recovery and you need to still be a whiskey taster, but not overindulge. And so it seems like a huge challenge, you know, set that boundary, not in the cut and dry, like I don't go to the bar anymore, but I still have to mm-hmm. go to the bar and have one drink every night. Um, so it sounds very important, the tools that are in your book and the checklist to be able to self-monitor and engage and, um, you know, be aware of those those subtle slides because you still want to serve your family. You still want to serve your business. Or oh, your job, absolutely. But you don't want to overserve. Yeah. I almost think of this as a recovery in a different way. Almost like I like, I think I reference Iron Man in, mm-hmm. in my book. I think that every single time you make one step, you, you put one boundary in place, you get control of your sleep. You start to understand that you have the power to choose and that likely some of the burnout was actually your choice. And now you get to change the way that oh. you make decisions. Yep. You're putting on an armor piece by piece, right? Mm. So it's like we're building Iron Man suit and you're going to have some technical malfunctions every now and again in the suit and the the shoulder piece might fly off and you got to repair it, but that's okay. But it's, it's more of the sense of like, you're protecting yourself now. This, this Mm -hmm. entire, this entire premise Mm. of recovery is protecting you. You still have to do all these things. Yeah. And I think the other um, really interesting thing that I heard you say is just sort of like you, you still have to, you know, you still have to work. Well, of course, but I like to also mention, and I do in the book is that we have this mindset. Like I remember when I was saying, I really want to sell this marketing agency. And when I looked back and I had been doing marketing since I was 25 years old and here I am 41 and this idea that like, I'm going to throw it all away. The idea though, is that I can change. And if I don't want to do marketing anymore, it's okay. Nothing's wasted. Like I can move into coaching because I still need my marketing skills to promote myself. Right. So it's okay to change and who we were when we were 25, we're not when we're 41. And so I think it's giving ourselves that permission to not live in this like perfection or this idea that somebody else might have this idea that like, Oh, if we change, like something's wrong with us. Like, no, we can Mm -hmm. change. Why not? That's a powerful concept. The difference between people like you've thrown away a 20 year career. No, I've left a 20 year career. Yeah. Big, big difference. Big difference there. Um, but so so if someone is in that burnout state, which obviously if they're in that and hearing this, they're um that they're not firing on all cylinders necessarily because they're in <laughs> yeah. burnout. What's yeah. the first step? How do they, you know, with the limiting limiting faculties that one has in burnout, what's the first step to start getting out of that? Yeah, I I think that this is one of my favorite questions because it is really hard. It is. It's hard to think. It's it's you're so de- sometimes so depressed. And so what I would encourage folks to do is just open up a notepad and write down all the things that are causing that fight or flight response. Even just think back in the day, think about mm-hmm. in the week like What happened that made you start to raise the blood pressure? You start to feel that cortisol rising in the body. Um, You get the fluttering heart feeling. What are those things? Um, Even if you write down two, knowing that they're there and you're staring at them, you can then say to yourself, 
how can I make one small change to mitigate this stressor? And I think the perfect example is I remember when I would wake up in the morning and look at my calendar and overnight it had filled up back to back for eight hours. And I just thought to myself like, well, I can't do anything about this and I have to take all these meetings. And so that means I'm going to have to go to work earlier and work later to get all the other things done. So I recognize this in my healing process. I recognize this as my first big stressor. This was causing me not only time management issues, but it was literally depleting my energy down to zero. And mm-hmm. it's funny. I wear this wearable from whoop and my stress, like during meetings, you could see the spike in the amount of mental like capacity. It was taking me to switch trains of thoughts from meeting to meeting. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very taxing. Yes. So my first small change was starting the following week. I'm blocking out non-negotiable time for myself. And that was a small step, but the hardest part was communicating that to everybody else. So I had to say, hey, you're going to notice that I have blocks on my calendar. That's my heads down time and it's no meeting time. If you can't find a time on my calendar, please connect with me and we'll work something out. But it really worked that then folks were like, well, Amy's only got this much white space to, to fill for meetings. And that was my first step. So anybody listening out there, just think of those major things that are causing you to just feel so overwhelmed. And let's just try to tackle one of them. You're going to feel so much more self-confident and in control. Mm-hmm. I-, I love that. And, and the meeting thing I, I totally resonate with because uh, I've, you know, everything's automated. People can come on Calendly and yeah. learning how to control that system. And, you know, for the longest time, like, oh, I can't get anything done. I'm in meetings. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who's putting these meetings on here? I mean, they are, but who's letting them? Yes. Block. Yeah. One day I was like, wait, what if I just blocked out Mondays and suddenly Mondays are blocked out? Nothing caught fire. Nothing fell apart. <laughs> and I had a day. And I'm like, what if I also blocked off Thursdays? Still worked. I mean, I still have some time for meetings, but, but yeah, it's, it's amazing what happens when you just take control of that one thing and you're like, nothing bad happened. And you just brought up the most beautiful point that it only cascades into more control. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you start small and then next thing you know, you're like totally in control of your calendar. Maybe five percent of the time you make some adjustments, but you're ninety five percent. You are in control. And yep. that is such a liberating feeling. Yeah. And then you get more energy and more focus. Yes. Downtime during which you're like, you know what else I could do? Because you can't get you're not creative when you're in burnout. You are not creative when you're in burnout, not to mention you are sick a lot. So you have to take time away and then you've got to make up for all the time you missed. Yes. Yeah. I definitely remember being when I was working so hard that when I would get sick, I'd be like, oh, good. I'm sick today. (laughs) I'll never forget. I had a sciatic attack and like I couldn't walk for a day. I could only lie down and I chose to lie down in the backyard I brought my iPad out there and it was one of the nice, uh, excruciating pain, but one of the nicest days I've ever had because I was working so hard. It gave me a day off because I'm like, I can't even stand up. Of course I have to take a day off, which is probably a sign I was working too hard. Yes. And that is like the saddest. Also, you're right. Like this is the saddest revelation, but you are not alone in feeling that way. Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah, I'm sick. I get to take the day off of work. You're like, oh my gosh. This is a sign. Yeah. And I was at moment, you're like, you know, I could have done this if I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I could have just 
taking a day off. Yes. Without an excuse. You- like, I'm taking a day off because I'm sick of working. Oh, my gosh. It's wild. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I have plans. What, what are the plans? Being somewhere else. <laughs> So this is fantastic. Your book is The Path to Break Free from Burnout, um, which, of course, people can find on on Amazon and on the Writers Republic website, writersrepublic.com. And, yeah, it sounds like extremely valuable. So so for anyone who is is overwhelmed, who is feeling any of the signs that Amy's talking about, um, you know, if you're listening to this, it could be because you said, I want to meet some cool authors or it could be you said burnout. I don't think I want to listen to that. Then that could be the sign. This is the book for you, and you know, take some of that advice, clear a little bit of that space, read the book, and then take advantage of the advice in there to get back control of things. So, thank you so much, Amy, for being on here. Hopefully, our listeners gotten a lot out of this, and uh, I know I've learned quite a bit. And it sounds like a fantastic book that a lot of people need. So, thank you. Thanks, Michael. It was a blast. This has been the Writer's Republic podcast. To learn more about Writer's Republic and to find the books we talk about on the show, visit writersrepublic.com. If you like this interview, be sure to follow or subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you really liked it, why not share it with a friend? I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. You can find out more about me at michaelwhitehouse.coach. Thank you for listening, and join us next time for another great interview with a fantastic Writer's Republic author.